Well, see, this is what I've been saying, right? In fifth grade, they asked me if I'm going on a train from New York to California, <laughs> at what point do I arrive if I'm going 40 miles an hour? I know this, but why doesn't a civil engineer know the answer to this, right? When I arrive at that intersection, it knows I've been doing the speed limit since the last six streets. Why isn't it just turn it them green? It should know when I'm arriving. Yeah, turn them green for Jack. Smashing Security, Episode 142, Mercedes Secret Sensors, Smart Cities, and Ransomware Runs Riot, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, Episode 142. My name is Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. Hello, crew. Hello. We are joined by podcast royalty in the form of... This week of Jack Resider of Darknet oh. Diaries. <laughs> Not quite royalty, but I'm very happy to be here. This is the second time coming and it's really exciting to begin. You've made a return visit. I think that really means that you're part of the family now. Yeah, yes. it feels like it. And you've been doing a little bit of work with the lovely Maria. Uh, yes. So basically you are part of the family. So welcome. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Great being here again. It's great to have you. And if anyone hasn't yet checked out Jack's podcast, really recommend it. Darknet Diaries. Really good listen if you want to hear of stories from the, the dark side of the internet. And you come here to cheer up. It's perfect. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, Crow, what stories have we got this week? Well, first, a huge thank you to this week's sponsors, LastPass and Immersive Labs. Their support helps us give you this show for free. Now, on today's show, Graham delves into the lavish world of Mercs. Yeah, I mean cars. Jack will be visiting Texas, and I'll be looking into the ins and outs of smart cities. All this and much more coming up on this huge episode of Smashing Security. What makes it huge, girl? What makes... Why don't you watch and find out? You haven't yeah. seen my story yet. <laughs> Settle in, guys. <laughs> now, chaps, chaps, I wonder, uh, Jack, are you a driver? Do you have a automobile? Uh, yes, I do. I only have one car, though. It's an older car, so it's not one of these special smart ones or internet connected. Very sensible, I, mm. would, I would argue. Now, some people, Carol, I don't know if you have, but I, I used to own a Mercedes-Benz. <laughs> what, your hairdresser's car? Look, I don't know why you always called it a hairdresser's car. It, I mean, it, it was in my days of not being a parent, and so it did only Look, allow There was to... a cartoon. I can't even remember what cartoon it was, but the, there was this like huge chested guy with his big blonde foppish hair, and he would drive around a red little convertible thing that was much smaller than his body. Basically, that that's what you look like. Well, thank, thank you for saying I had a big chest curl. That's very kind of you. I think it slipped somewhat, rather like Obelix. But uh, I don't know if either of you have been reading the Sun newspaper. The Sun newspaper. Oh, I, 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 I get I put, it delivered, of course. <laughs> I put the word newspaper in quotes. Uh, the, are you familiar with the Sun, Jack, at all? It, well, isn't it is there for a specific city or is it just the Sun? No, it's the same. It's a national <laughs> yeah. newspaper here in the UK run by Rupert Murdoch. And... Uh, it's not really a newspaper. It was famous for its page three. Um, yes, it's page three beauties uh, back in the day. I don't know if they still do that. It, it is a very high selling newspaper, not <laughs> renowned for its high quality, however, quite tabloid. Do you remember when they tried to address the page three problem, which was basically scantily clad women, mm. um, by introducing, I don't know if this was just in Canada, but in Canada on page seven, you'd have this tiny black and white page seven guy. Yeah, it's called the page seven fella. <laughs> yeah, that was That's it. That's what they had, yes. yes. So it was international, there you go. Oh, yes, yeah, we had the page seven, well, I didn't, but yes, it was. Brilliant. It. 
Anyway, the reason why I'm talking about the sun, normally I wouldn't source my stories about the the crazy world ah, of would. online security and <laughs> privacy from the sun. But they ran a story which has been picked up by a number of other media outlets about Mercedes-Benz cars. And specifically, they said that Mercedes dealers in the UK and who knows where else in the world were fitting tracking devices to all new and used cars sold by Mercedes. And these could, if activated, pinpoint a car's precise location. What, like, so a tracking device, like, basically, if you get into trouble, we'll be able to find you without a phone call kind of tracking device? That kind of device. So I guess it was communicating in a GPS-style way. So Jack, for instance, I mean, you're obviously someone who wants to preserve your privacy. I understand that. Like most of us, we don't want our information out there. But this would be a way for the guy who sold you your car, potentially to find out where you live or where you like to go. That's the way you have to balance it, right? Is there more of an upside? Is there more of a benefit to having somebody know where you are versus having your private information in the hands of somebody you don't know? Right. And that's that's a hard balance. And mm. if you're someone a bit hot, right? Like you, Crow. I mean, I mean, obviously not at the moment. You don't mean back, temperature, back like having a fever. You mean exactly. more like good looking, like froid. You're, you're pretty hot tamale, right, Crow? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, the hottest. If the Mercedes dealer took a shine to you, they might be interested in where you go, what clubs you go to. You know, imagine if every time you went to the discotheque, there was the Mercedes dealer uh, doing the Lombarda or a John Travolta or something. What, to try or and a stalker. You. Yeah, no, that sounds fun. That well, sounds great not fun. fun at Love all, that. Crow. Yeah. Not fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Mercedes said that these sensors are put into every car. And this is different from your optional extra, right? Sometimes you buy an expensive car and you say, well, for security reasons, I want it to have the ability to track it if it gets uh, stolen, for instance. This is something which is put in all of the cars. And Mercedes say it's only activated in extreme circumstances. So I was thinking, well, what are the extreme circumstances? Yeah, right? yeah. Would it be a life or death situation, for instance, or a missing person? Mm. And I was reminded of this. I, you may remember there's a past pick of the week, which we talked about, called What Three Words. Mm -hmm. And there was a story earlier this year about a mother and daughter who were rescued after they had a car crash in a remote rural part of Zamazet in the UK, avoiding all the uh, combine harvesters and things like that. Must have crashed into a hay bale. Hey! And, well, no, that's <laughs> very flattering for people from Somerset. Oh, and all they had to do was use the What Three Words app, and it gave them three coordinates, mm -hmm. which allowed the police to exactly pinpoint their location. Thank you. Call you through to the police. What's the location of your emergency? Uh, we're on a road. I'm not entirely sure. The road. We've just been involved in a road traffic. There's like at least four cars in it. I'm just going to try and find out the actual road. Okay. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send you a very quick link to your phone. Are you able to use your phone while you're on it, or you, is it not? Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's called What Three Words. So if you click on the link, it will give you three separate words for your location. And when I put them in, it will tell me where you are. Are you happy to do that when I, if I send yeah, it to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah brilliant. Yeah. Just so I know exactly where you cool. are. Very cool. So in that, that's one way in which it can happen. So is it life or death situation? Is it missing persons? And apparently, no, that's not the extreme circumstance in which the Mercedes turned this on. And I thought, well, is it law enforcement? Is it if your car is stolen or if your car is used in some sort of criminal activity? And again, no, those aren't the extreme circumstances. Which so it has to be more extreme than what you're saying. Exactly. Well, I know. I know. You didn't pay your bill. Right. You've no way. <laughs> 
That was a guess. Jack, it's a good guess. Oh, my God. That's what Mercedes-Benz care about, is have you kept up to date? Have you defaulted on your finance payments? They can track down your car and they can seize it off you. (laughs) Okay, so I don't like this idea. And the thing is... Because you're not treating the customers like adults here, you know. You're treating yeah. them like kids who are who are immature and irresponsible, and you're going to pull your little trick on them to get their your car back. It's it's just not going to play well. I mean, and sometimes people can be immature and irresponsible, right? I mean, I I remember I t- I'll tell you a story actually, Kroll, about that car you were talking about. Well, your hairdresser's car. No, well, you know, I don't know technically. There's nothing wrong with hairdressers, by the way, or their vehicles. But I <laughs> used to live next to a petrol station, station or gas station, as I believe they call them over stateside, and. Um, I used to pop around there because I had a little store attached, right? So it was my local where I could go and get a pint of milk or whatever. One day I drove home. I was running low on fuel. I parked in the petrol station, filled up with petrol, went into the store to pay. And then I walked back to my apartment. Leaving your car at the gas. Leaving my car because I was so used to doing the walk. I wasn't used to driving from there to my apartment, which was like next door. (laughs) Well, I left my car there for two days. (laughs) Oh, my God. By the gas pump, <laughs> preventing other people from using, getting any petrol. Oh, and that's um, so you. So I woke up the next morning, I opened my curtains and thought, where's my car gone? It's been stolen. Oh, no. <laughs> Looking outside my house. Are you lying? I've never heard this story. Oh, no, it's a true story. And and, and, and then I ran through my memory. I thought, well, what was I doing? What was I doing? What happened? I thought, ah, it's still at the petrol station. So I popped around there and sort of quickly scarpered. Did you have a driveway or were you parked like somewhere no, it communal? was like a communal car parking right. thing. You know, it's back back in the day, crap, back in the day. Anyway, so I would have felt this would have been really helpful back in those days. You know, use it as a lost car sort of device would be fantastic. But no, they're using this to try and get money. They're passing on the information to bailiffs so they can track down your Mercedes and repossess it. And are they telling you that they're doing this? Well, they're telling you that they have a tracker in your car? It must be in the T's and C's somewhere. Well, Mercedes say around 80% of new cars from Mercedes are sold on finance plans. And apparently, if you do read all the small print when you sign off your <laughs> sign of your soul when you <laughs> to buy a Merc to buy yeah. a Mercedes right. it is included in there that we reserve the right to use you know in extreme circumstances we can find out where you are and then get your car back so you can pay us your final bill right right mm-hmm. now like Jack human rights groups and privacy campaigners are a bit concerned about this Liberty for instance have said that they're disturbed by this revelation and say it's all part of the creeping growth of surveillance. It is easy to see, isn't it, how this kind of feature could be abused by governments. For instance, they could put pressure on car manufacturers to share details of a vehicle's location or for intelligence agencies to hack a car manufacturer. Am I am I getting carried away with this or not? I think we need to bring it closer to home, right? Okay. I'm seeing a rash of, of incidents lately where like domestic cyber spying is happening where this is this is a husband spying on their wife or a boss spying on their employee and they're using different tools to do that through their phones and and turning on cameras and this kind of thing and 
that is what could very well happen. A, a, a jealous boyfriend or something could figure out a way into this and start seeing the exact location of their girlfriend's Mercedes. Or maybe if they actually worked at the car company, maybe they would have access to these tools, just like we've seen in the past people who work for the police abusing databases which they have access to or looking up people's criminal records. Similarly, you might have someone at the car company who's able to determine where a particular car is. Yeah, but all that still just assumes that this whole thing is secure. And we we haven't even got to the point of... (laughs) Are they good? Is Mercedes good at be, you know holding on to my data? And I don't, I don't know. Right? Yeah, and we've certainly seen big car companies in the past goof up both in the firmware of their vehicles and also sometimes their own websites and systems have been breached. So uh, I wonder whether they're collecting this information. So presumably, if these trackers were put on any car, right, just in the off chance that someone doesn't pay their bill, mm-hmm. that data must be being snarfled all the time. And collect it into a database. I, I don't know if you just turn it on if someone doesn't pay the bill or if it's just always on. You just go look at the database when you need to. From my reading of it, and who knows if this is accurate because it is the it Sun is the newspaper, sun. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and Shirley from Basildon, you know, 34, 23, 36. <laughs> they say that the sensor has to be activated. So Mercedes are trying to reassure people this isn't turned on all the time, but only in really, really serious situations, i.e. if they're about to lose but money, that's, that's do they enable as well, it. well, right? That you have something on your car that can be remotely activated by a third party without your knowledge. Mm. Well, cars these days, I mean, they are the mobile internet device. Your car is crazy. No, my car doesn't do anything. Like my car beeps if I drive badly. That's what upsets you. It's all the beeps it gives me. Yeah, fair enough. Probably right. (laughs) It's not the car. You're right. Here's here's my call to action here. Yes. Um, This this is just a matter of time before somebody figures out where that tracking device is and just yanks it off the car and then puts that on the internet and says, "Here's how to disable the tracking device." Because there's really, literally, no upside for the customer here. So everyone would just say, "Well, I need to disable this. There's no. There's nothing I get out of this," and just pull it right off. Yeah. I, I, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So my advice for anyone who doesn't want to be tracked by the likes of Mercedes and their cars would be to drive some old beat up car instead. Maybe like Jack has got. Do you remember the Robin, uh, the Reliant Robin? Do you remember that? <laughs> I don't think Jack would have ever seen one of these. I, re- I didn't know they existed till I moved here. <laughs> and you do see them on the road now. You still see it's them. It's like a three-wheeled car, Jack. Yes. It's a real beauty. They had to be very careful going round roundabouts because they would sometimes topple over. But I <laughs> really? I, oh, yes. <laughs> anyway, Jack, what have you got for us this week? Well, so last year, Atlanta got hit with ransomware. This is becoming an epidemic or pandemic, whatever the word is. Ransomware is hitting U.S. government cities. And Atlanta didn't pay the $52,000 in ransom last year, but instead they spent $2.4 million (laughs) cleaning it up. That's right. Yeah. It's shocking. And it's depressing. Well, is it depressing? Should we? Well, yes. It encourages people just to pay the ransomware. No, no, they didn't pay. That's the thing. I know, but when other cities see the bill. Oh, I see. Right? They'll go, F- let's just pay. Dear God, let's get this headache over with. Why do the right thing? It's too expensive. So there's there's more here. So Baltimore this year got hit with a $70,000 ransomware, and they didn't pay. Instead, they spent $18 million cleaning it up. <laughs> you see? You see? 
Okay, or are F- they just padding? Are they padding the numbers? <laughs> well, this just is to what get I'm, a bit for just, the insurance. Just, yeah. so. I'll, I'll <laughs> put the links in the show notes so you can double check for yourself. But the the FBI discouraged them from paying because they said, "Hey, even if you pay the seventy thousand in ransomware, you've got a lot of problems you need to clean up, yeah. which is going to cost you a million anyways. So you might as well just do a full top down, you know, inspection of everything and spend the money." Right. So this year has been just a phenomenal year. We've had 60 ransomware attacks on on state and local government in the U.S. alone. Lake City in Florida paid $460,000 in Bitcoin just, uh, uh, I think, last month. To get rid of the headache. To just get rid of it. Like, that's it. So that city completely paid. Another city in Florida, Riviera Beach, paid $600,000 in ransomware fees. Hmm. But that one was interesting because they had insurance to cover it. That's interesting. So that is that what cyber insurance is for? To pay the ransoms? <laughs> Possibly. I've never I thought mean, about that. I never even oh, thought yeah, about it's, that. Oh, yeah, it's one of the costs. I mean, it's not the only cost. That's the thing. It's not yeah, just... Yeah, but that's, it's, it's immoral. If you have life insurance, right, and you get kidnapped, is, can you use the life insurance money to get you out? Crow, you can get insurance for anything, surely, can't you? <laughs> if you're prepared to pay enough of a premium, I could get insurance for alien abduction, I'm sure, if I was able okay. to prove it was alien Report it into us me. next week. Tell us another I'll let you know how it goes, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Jack, <laughs> sorry. sorry. Jack. Uh, Crow has completely distracted us, so it wasn't me. So, so yeah. So on Friday, I saw this story that 23 towns in Texas were hit with a coordinated ransomware. <laughs> And the Texas governor has actually issued a level two escalated response, which level one is the highest threat level, which is emergency. So they're they're getting close to having a statewide emergency there in Texas. It's like a DEFCON alert, basically, isn't it? It's, yes. It, this, this is pretty serious. 23 in a coordinated attack. Yeah. That's the first time I've ever heard of that. Yes. And the the investigators are thinking this is from a single threat actor. Most towns are not admitting to this right now, so we don't really know what towns. But there's one town called uh, Borger in the in the panhandle. Mm-hmm. And they said this is affecting city business and financial operations. Birth and death certificates are not available online and no payments are being accepted for utility payments from their 13,000 residents right now. Nobody can pay the bill because the s- systems are down. Because there have been problems sometimes in the past of people who've actually had their power cut off because they haven't been able to pay their yeah. bills due to ransomware hitting a particular city. So I, yeah. I imagine if some sort of payment system is down, you have to be careful that any sort of background process isn't also going to be affected and take matters into its own hands. Yes. And another city in Texas, which was not hit, called Denison, Texas, just said, you know, forget it. We're unplugging. And they took they took down their own internet today as a precaution. Yeah. <laughs> Try and get us. <laughs> We're not even online, dudes. <laughs> well, good, good luck to their residents uh, being able to pay their bills online, of course. Uh, That's right. It could be a challenge. So they believe that this is the same hacker or group of hackers who are organizing all of these attacks. I mean, potentially they could be making an awful lot of cash if some of these towns do agree to pay up, like some of the places you've already mentioned, which did pay up. Yeah, they could sweep up here. I mean, that's one of the things about this ransomware is that it is pretty profitable. It's easy to to spread and get in there and pretty profitable. You're making me wonder whether Texas has a reputation for paying these bills, like in the way that you talked about Florida earlier, that they've paid the ransom. Maybe Texas has, um, these systems have been hit before individually at times, and Texas has paid the ransom. So it suddenly became like quids in, dudes hit, you know, hit 23 at once, and they've already got the precedent set in place. 
Mm, that's a that's an interesting theory. I was thinking more along the lines that it might be targeted because of a, a similar department might be overseeing some of these systems, and and so you have the similar vulnerability that you can use in each place. Mm-hmm. It's curious though. It seems to be all these cities recently which have been hit, rather than maybe more regular organizations. Is that suggesting to us that? councils and towns aren't protecting themselves as well as commercial organizations? I just think, think of how many people are available, right, in a city. You have a city of 100,000 that might be using a specific... Oh, you think the stakes are higher because of the number of people? The stakes are higher because there's more people available. In a company, you might have 1,000 or 500 or, you know, and you might go for the big uh, spear fish, right? Go for the CEO, CTO, CIO. Right. And maybe then it's quids in. Yeah, it's. I mean, you you put ransomware on one person's computer, you can get what three hundred bucks out of them. Yeah, but you put it on a company, a hospital, a state, a city government, like you're going to mm-hmm. get a lot more out of that. So it's definitely a lot more profitable. And especially when you're impacting like the way the bills are getting paid, like they're not getting paid until this is fixed. So mm-hmm. you know, it, it puts a real big spanner in the works. And you know, in my experience, things like uh, councils and education and health tend to have systems that are a little bit more ropey than state-of-the-art firms. So it's just a lot more scotch tape and uh, spit holding things together because funds are shorter. You don't have as much money. You don't have as much resources. So maybe they're yes. an easier mark. I suppose you have to justify every buck, don't you? In the Absolutely. city budget, and got, and, whereas a, yeah. a commercial organization, you may have seen past victims of this kind of thing and think we have to invest in security. We've got to protect our staff. We have to prevent these kind of things from coming in. Yes. And that sort of transitions me into uh, the next part of this story, which is like, who's there to help them? When, mm. you, when it comes to um, pay rates and stuff, uh, you know, commercial and, and retail, they'll pay higher. And then you got state and government kind of paying a little lower and like uh, maybe schools paying a little less than that and, and you know, f- charities and, for, and nonprofits paying even less. So you don't get the cream of the crop security people working in these state and local governments. And often I hear that these people, it, it's really hard to get fired out of here, which means that people are just going to kind of do their minimum job what they need to do not to get like really fired and even then they probably don't even get fired so so they just don't have a good cleanup crew so some of the people who are coming to help in texas is fema is actually going down there to help Uh the department Mm -hmm. of homeland security is is assisting texas a&m's information technology and electronic crime unit is getting involved which is their college down there and even the texas military department (laughs) is um throwing in their hat (laughs) going in with tanks I mean, where's this going to stop? They they need some kind of superhero, don't they? We, we've started. We saw it in Florida. Oh, do you want to get your tights out, Graham? Well, I don't, <laughs> I don't think me. I'm just wondering what city could it be? Gotham City next? Could it be Batman? It has to come. Commissioner O'Hara ringing that phone. Crow, what have you got for us this week? In my story, we're visiting the land of smart cities. And the thing is, is people use this term a lot, right? Smart city. And I didn't actually know how to define no. it or what the advantages and disadvantages really were. So I thought I'd do a little spot of digging and we could sift through some of the highlights and see whether we're like thumbs up or thumbs down. Now, a smart city is one that uses digital info and communication tech to enhance the city, right? To enhance the quality of the services it delivers. So things like transport or health or climate or connectivity or crime or everything. The kind of things which could be messed up with a ransomware attack. That, that's, that's 
That's the sort of thing you're thinking <laughs> exactly. of. Exactly. Right? So, you know, when there's a city with enough IoT services, we've got what boffins are calling a smart city. And I take, you know, I don't think that's the right term. It should be smarter city because it's not all or nothing, really, is it? It's a gradient of smartishnessness is <laughs> whatever. <laughs> anyway, so I'm digging around. And I get my hands on a list of smart city tenders. And this is what appears to be published by city councils around the world, looking for an expert to make their city pop with some smartness. And there is a lot of them. Okay, there's a link in the show notes. But we're talking things like intelligent traffic and public transport systems, bike share schemes, air quality monitoring, smart solar storage, automatic weather stations, disaster alert systems, citywide Wi-Fi services, electric vehicle charging points. It goes on and on and on. Storm pollution control plans. All these things could make life so much better for all of us, right? But it does depend on real-time local data in order to work in a lot of cases. Okay, okay, yeah. And that means you need a whole host of data collection, right? So you have things like city sensors around the city, and you also have data from residents and visitors. This would be gathered probably through apps and cellular use and city-hosted Wi-Fi. All of this information that they're able to collect from devices can feed into various systems. So far, this all sounds very secure and nothing for anybody to worry about. <laughs> we should just we should just like record that and then just play it every episode, <laughs> don't you think? <laughs> it's like a real standard. And all this data is used to create a system of smart behavior and alerts, which are supposed to help us. So for imagine, for example, if traffic lights could automatically change pattern when traffic was increasing from one direction versus another. Well, see, this is what I've been saying, right? In fifth grade, they asked me if I'm going on a train from New York to California, (laughs) at what point do I arrive if I'm going 40 miles an hour? I know this, but why doesn't a civil engineer know the answer to this, right? When I arrive at that intersection, it knows I've been doing the speed limit since the last six streets. Why isn't it just turn them green? It should know when I'm arriving. Yeah, turn them green for Jack. (laughs) This is basic algebra. (laughs) And like maybe bins, right, would have sensors so that when they're full, a little sensor alerts the team that needs to come, you know, that they're ready to be picked up. Bonus, sweet smelling streets, I guess. I'd just be happy with Lou's Public Lou's, which did something like that, Crow, which were able to tell when last time they'd been used. And so you could determine which one was used least recently. <laughs> what, on the outside, they'd be like, it, it yeah. would turn brown or something. Yeah. Well, no, not brown. It would give you a green light. The other ones would be brown. So you'd know which one is most likely to be safe to use. <laughs> That's what I want to see, that kind of technology. There's like life-saving possibilities here, like up to the minute information about accidents on the roads. So you could actually navigate help to the scene automatically without needing a passerby. And this would be huge in the UK because if you stop you know, alongside a car in distress and say the guy's eyeballs are hanging out of his face in the UK and you say, are you okay? They'll be like, oh gosh, yes, I'm perfectly fine. Sorry to trouble you. (laughs) You know, like it's insane over here. So this would help lives. It would save lives. So this is all great. And I do hate to ruin the whole Shangri-La-esque utopia that I've painted here, but there is a flip side, which we've already investigated earlier in the show. With everything connected and automated, it can make things much more disastrous if the system is disrupted in some way. So vulnerability exploit, a data breach, DDoS. And as we saw in the tenders, right, cities are actively looking for third-party experts to come in and make their cities smarter. They want their, their smart city dreams to come true. 
And from my reading today, this is hot market and cities are competing for services and techies are promising a shiny world. And the question is... They must, at the same time when they're asking for people to pitch for this kind of stuff, they must also say, but you have to do it securely. They must be saying, we want all of these really cool features. Let's play the game, right? right? So I'm the third party. So you're going to say to me, you really have to do this securely. And I'm like, of course, sir. (laughs) Yes, well, what I... What questions yeah, are you going to well, ask me? What questions are you going to well, ask me well, to kind I mean, of gauge how secure it's going to be? I thought about this sort of thing, Carol, but, you know, clear, clearly, I mean... <laughs> you sound like it, someone who works at a council office. <laughs> <laughs> so the question is, are cities perhaps so hungry to get ahead of the competition, they're not thinking deeply enough about security? Right. So there's this guy, Dimitrios Pavlakis, okay, he's an industry analyst at ABI Research. And yeah. today, just today when I was doing this research, this press release comes out, and I'm going to paraphrase his quote because it was the longest sentence on the planet. Effectively, smart cities are increasingly under attack by a variety of threats. Ransomware, sophisticated cyber attacks on critical infrastructure. Okay, so, so Jack, is it possible that the ransomware attacks which you've been talking about against cities could actually, in the long term, be a good thing because it will wake up other cities? to these threats and get them thinking more about security. Yeah, I think um I think city city analysts, city people, what are they? They're just people who work in the cities. <laughs> the uh they are definitely paying attention to all these ransomware threats and they're like glued to this news when they see another city doing it cuz how did did they pay? Did they not? How did they hire? Who helped them? You know, it's like, "Well, hey FEMA, you helped that city. Why don't you help yeah. us too when we get hit?" Mm. So, yeah, they're definitely paying attention to all this stuff. And, um, you know, here's, here's what I think. Let's, let's go back. Let's, let's get out of our modern heads for a second and, mm. and think about our cities when they started going online and allowing you to pay your bills online. We were saying, oh, this isn't safe. This is, this is insecure mm-hmm. and all these things. And it was really ugly at the time. You know, it just didn't look good. And there was even like an extra $2 fee or something like, oh, there's a convenience fee to pay online. <laughs> And so, like, that shift of saying, okay, well, we're going to do what we used to do all the time, which was nice and secure, and we're going to shift it to this newfangled internet thing, that was that was quite a, quite a mind shift in our head. And it feels like that's a new phase of this now, is not only are we, are we shifting to the future here, which is very internet-connected stuff, but it's, but it's giving up all this extra data and telemetry and all this stuff. And again, it comes down to, is the upside bigger than the downside? Mm. I think it's a little bit like the shift which we saw maybe 20 years ago, because prior to Amazon, for instance, a lot of people's experience of e-commerce was not entirely satisfactory. And a lot of people were, a lot of people just laughed at the thought of ever entering their credit card information on the web. And then Amazon came along and you turned out not only could you order things, but things would arrive. You know what? You guys are right. Why do we have the show? We shouldn't even bother. We should just be like, let's get with the time. <laughs> I think let's not worry about anything. I think we should just build a big, beautiful wall around all of these cities, rather like the one which has disconnected itself from the internet. A huge wall or a <laughs> moat or something like that filled with boiling oil. And that could stop all of these attacks from happening. You want to hear some crazy research that's kind of tangentially aligned to my story? Go for it. There was research published by the Georgia Institute of Tech this month. Okay, yeah. And they found that if a hack randomly stalled 20% of cars during rush hour in Manhattan, it would cause complete road chaos. They said if even just 10% of the cars 
at rush hour were affected, it would create enough blockages to stop emergency vehicles from getting through traffic. 10%, frankly, is probably better than normal, isn't it? It's probably better than a normal day. (laughs) No, but it's on top of all that, of course, right? (laughs) Oh, I see. Right. Yes. And um, also, there's this... Have you heard of Google's Sidewalk Labs? No, what's that? So this is like a Google Alphabet sister company. And they've been trying to create a smart city in Toronto. And they were like, this is affordable housing. We can build it faster, cheaper, smarter than anybody else. And this US venture capitalist, Roger McNamee, in June warned this is the most highly evolved version of surveillance capitalism to date. So it's basically on ice at the moment. So hang on, this is something which Google have initiated. Yes, yeah, Google Sidewalk Labs. So they're going to have like data-driven adverts or something. They'll they'll determine who's walking down the street and Can you imagine? Like in a way you kind of want to see what they would be, what they would do, but I kind of wish they weren't doing it in a city You that just is... don't want it to be a Canadian city, right? Yeah. No. I just don't I think they should do it somewhere where, you know, where where like there's a military base and people are paid to live there so they can actually study it and do it properly. Oh yes, that's fine, to... isn't it? Yeah, just experiment on soldiers, Carol. Great. Yeah. <laughs> that's never caused any problems in the past. What do you like? Seriously. I, I would just be happy if my town had gigabit internet. Oh, that, really? Oh, oh uh, yeah, that's true. If you had gigabit internet, I'm prepared to put up with anything, frankly. <laughs> you know, it's like still my firstborn child. Yeah, I would say to my cities, start there, and then we can talk about the next thing. <laughs> Fantastic. So you've got an IT security team, but you want to turn them into security superstars. How can you best provide each employee with the opportunity to upskill themselves? Immersive Labs provides a cloud-based system, meaning it's available 24 hours a day, whenever is convenient for them to learn. It provides hands-on experience with tools, technology, and even sandboxed malware. The platform provides story-based threat simulations. It lets teams enhance their skills while stopping an online banking breach or the hack of industrial control systems. Lots of fun to be had there. Check out Immersive Labs skills development platform to drive down your organization's cyber risk while reducing training costs. Check them out at immersivelabs.com slash light. Immersivelabs.com slash L-I-T-E. Fact, if you don't have a password policy in your place of work, you can bet your bottom dollar that someone somewhere has selected one of the following passwords. 1111, 1234, or maybe the very complicated to hack 123ABC. Don't let them do it, guys. Look into LastPass Enterprise. It will help you sort out all your poor passwords and put you back in charge. Learn more about LastPass Enterprise at lastpass.com slash smashing. That is lastpass.com forward slash smashing with a G. And welcome back. Can you join us on our favorite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the week. Good man. Pick of the week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. It doesn't have to be security related necessarily. Better not be. Oh, because this week. Graham, Clue Lee. Well, 
I it's kind of security, kind of privacy. I thought it was kind of important. I thought listeners would be interested in it because Facebook has just announced this week a new feature which they're rolling out into their app called Off Facebook Activity. And I'll include some links in the show notes where you can read more, including a fact sheet about this. this These are two issues I don't want to talk about in Pick of the Week, Facebook <laughs> and private. Well, and you might like this because maybe this okay. is a good thing. Um, you can decide at the end of the Pick of the Week. Facebook's new feature will let you see what apps and websites are sending them information about your activities. And optionally, let you clear that information from your account if you wish. Now, this has come about because there's been a number of privacy groups, and uh, I think it's the chaps in Germany have been kicking up a stink about Facebook's activity. And, uh, you know, generally, the world has taken a long, hard look, I think, as to how Facebook collects data and what it does with it over the last year or so. Now, according to Facebook, uh, there are studies which show the average person with a smartphone has more than 60 apps installed on that device. And they use around about 40 of them every month. And many of those may actually be sharing information with your Facebook account. And Facebook says it's really difficult for people to keep track of who has information about them and what it's useful. Well, like, duh, Facebook. I mean, you're the number one culprit for that, aren't you? This new feature called Off Facebook Activity uh, has been written about. You can read about it on BBC News, for instance. I'll include a link to uh, a story written by Rory Keflin Jones up there, who's their main technology correspondent. The cool Rory, yeah. Yeah, cool old Rory. Basically, what you'll be able to do is you'll be able to clear your history and prevent your future off-app behaviour being tapped by Facebook, although there are some caveats. Um, now, at the moment, this feature is being rolled out very, very slowly. Um, only Ireland, <laughs> South Korea. That wasn't one of the whales from uh, Finding Nemo, by the way. Uh, only Ireland, South Korea and Spain are getting a look at it. But they, they say they're planning to roll it out wide around the world as well. So with this feature, you will be able to disconnect future off Facebook activity. So the stuff which you do outside of Facebook. What do you mean future? So So you'll be you'll be able to say to Facebook, oh, I don't want you collecting any of this stuff in future, at least not associating it with my account. Yeah. So if app A is associated with my Facebook account, of which I do not have, yeah. I'm proud to well say. Done. But let's say, right? Yeah. And uh and uh so I turn this feature on and it, what it will announce to me, hey, you know that A is grabbing all this information or giving us all this information. And I'll go, whoa, stop that. If, if you go into the setting right now, you will be able to see what apps and what websites have been serving up information to Facebook and associating it with your account. So you'll be able to tell it, stop doing that. In future, you know what? It's right? quite clever. It's like for a security nut like me, I might want to go in just to see what Facebook activity they'd been gathering to date. Well, exactly. And it may give you, you a see? bit I'm of a shock. I'm not doing it. Not falling for it. Oh, I see. You're thinking of... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. You're thinking yeah, of... Yeah, re- I'm on to you, Facebook. <laughs> You're thinking of bringing back your account from the dead just to see what it's been doing. <laughs> now, disappointingly, and this is Facebook, of course, so don't be surprised, hitting clear history doesn't actually delete your data. Of course it doesn't. Of course it doesn't. such assholes. It just unlinks it from your profile, and apparently it maintains it in a pseudon... Can I say pseudonym? Can you say that, Crow? Well, no, you can, actually. (laughs) Jack, would you like to tackle that word? Pseudonymous. 
Thank you. Anyway, <laughs> and they're even saying that they won't do that in some circumstances. So if they think that you're a bit suspicious with your Facebook activity or engaged in fraud or naughty things, they will still retain a certain amount of the information they say for a longer time. You have to read. And I think maybe that's acceptable from the sort of... Well, when you consider some of the dodgy things which happen on social networks, in the last week, for instance, we've seen a number of reports from Facebook and Twitter uh, alerting people to activity being done by the Chinese authorities against the protesters in Hong Kong. You might want to keep collecting some of that information if someone's already been tagged as a bit dodgy uh, by the Facebook police, maybe. I don't know. Um, Get off Facebook, my advice. Well, exactly. Um, what do you think, Jack? What are you, Facebook user? I, no, it, but it, when you get on Facebook, it's like a million options on clicking. Yeah. There's just so many different settings that finding this one yeah. is going to be really hard. And to know if it cancels out something else or overwrite gets ridden, but, you know, it's just really difficult to, to know how to navigate. The it's horrendous, isn't it? And it's a shift in sands all the time because their settings have all, it's just always feels like it's changing. And, and of course, you have to decide to turn off, uh, this off Facebook activity default for it is obviously on, you know, naturally that's the way Facebook works. And as Carol says, I think quit Facebook altogether. We did an episode, check out episode 75. I think it's our most popular episode mm-hmm. ever, Carol, all about quitting Facebook where we discussed with Maria how to get off and uh, mm-hmm. stay up, please. <laughs> and <laughs> Anyway, listen to episode 75 and then, then you hear about it. Jack, what's your pick of the week? I've bought like the same mouse like 15 times in the ten- last 10 years. And so this is not a new mouse, but I love this mouse Ooh. so much that I thought I might share it with you. What is it? Which one is it? This I'll tell you at the end, but li- oh, okay, when, okay. When, <laughs> so I hear, I hear someone on this call, like scrolling and I hear this. <laughs> Me. It's crow. Listen to this noise, right? Okay, that's what no- a normal mouse scroll sounds like. Listen to my how my mouse scrolls. It's hard to hear, but it's like a smooth scroll, right? It sounds a bit like a hamster wheel. It's like it's spinning freely. It spins freely like a hamster wheel. And so I do a lot of scrolling. And, <laughs> and so I can just scroll forever with this. It's so nice. <laughs> it, it, it just, I love the scrolling aspect. Uh, the, but the the other thing is that it breaks often though. If you've had fifteen of them, well, it doesn't. It's it's that I want one for my work computer and my other computer and and oh. you know my my dad's house and the, everywhere I go, I just I'm like you need this mouse, <laughs> and so I just keep buying them wherever I go, so I don't have to use any other mouse. And so the other thing is that it has something like twelve buttons on this thing. Oh, for goodness sake. Why do you need 12 (laughs) buttons, man? He's young and smart. His brain's still intact, Grim. How many fingers do you have? (laughs) There's, there's, uh, you can map it to whatever, right? And I'll tell you the one that just makes, it changes my life. Yeah. And that is um, the scroll wheel itself has a button. You can click to the left or the right, right? So it's not just a middle click for the scroll wheel, but you can click left or right on the scroll wheel. And this I've mapped to copy and paste. So without putting my hand on the keyboard to say, what, two keystrokes on there, I can just keep my hand on the mouse and select something, copy and paste right from the mouse, because that's what I've selected. And that- You heard about the left left button does that, right? No. <laughs> Doesn't it? You press the left button, you get a little, you get a little, 
I, you're faster. You're faster. I get it. I get it. Well, get you it. can. So you can. It's I mean, still if a you want to use clicks, the mouse, crow. you can. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, you're right. It's like five clicks compared to, to two. Yeah. For him. So I've remapped these buttons. Another one I did was like search and find and all these other things so that I can copy something okay, and then hit find and then find it. Right. You know, I hit that button to search for it. It's great. So I have so many t- less keystrokes I'm using on my computer because I can just use them all on my mouse. Jack, can you, can you customize the different buttons depending on which application you're in? No. Oh. <laughs> That'd be good, wouldn't it? Uh, maybe. I don't well, know. I mean, there must be a tool out there which does it. But I'm just thinking, if you were editing a podcast, for instance, how fantastic that would be for some of those functions which you regularly do, if you could do all of that from the... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Ah, <laughs> oh, dream. Man. So, and the last cool feature is that the, the battery life is three years. So I'm what? rarely having to swap it out. Is that because your hamster wheel is actually a generator, which is <laughs> <laughs> powering the battery? <laughs> the uh, the model of this is the Logitech M705, and I've bought a dozen of them at this point. And yes, it's my pick of the week. Okay, I, I'm Googling it right now to see if it looks like a weirdo mouse. Oh, it looks like a fairly ordinary mouse. Yeah, it's just a typical mouse. but The Logitech Marathon M705. Well, where are all these buttons on this? Yeah, they're they're just all around. Hidden. They're embedded, yeah. They're so I mean the mouse wheel can click right and left. And then the where the thumb usually rests on the side of the mouse, that's got three or four buttons. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, got right and left button and you've got the mouse down button. It's like a review. How about that? Carol, what's your pick of the week? Okay, before I get into the pick of the week, right? Do you guys have any favorite sayings or idioms? Like, uh, like Bob's your uncle. Oh, I do. Fine words don't butter parsnips. I thought it was kind words don't butter parsnips. Maybe they're both right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you're right. I knew that would be your favorite. I had written that one down. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I knew that was your favorite. It's often been used in a salary negotiation. So when you go. Yes, when you have a meeting with a boss and they say, you've done really, really well, you say, yeah, thank you very much. But kind words don't butter parsnips. In other words, give me some money so I can put butter on them. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> Do you have one, Jack? Uh, think smarter, not harder. Oh, I like it. I like it. But I've got some seriously delicious ones for you. If you guys go to the link that I've provided, this is a list of 40 idioms that cannot be translated literally. And there is some glorious <gasps> ones. Oh, actually, oh, maybe like you shouldn't this. look. Maybe you shouldn't look. You should tell me which oh, country okay. it comes from. Okay, I'll okay, read an okay. idiom and you decide what okay. country it comes from. Right. Okay? okay, okay, okay. Okay. To wear a cat's on one head is the literal translation. And what it means is you're hiding your claws and pretending to be a nice, harmless person, Graham. To- but oh, you're wearing really? a cat on your head. Turkey. <laughs> the only person I can think of about wearing a cat on the head is... America, of course, with the current president. But I mean, I, so, but it's obviously not America. So Japan, Japan, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, um, okay. One other one. Yes, please. To blow little ducks. <laughs> uh, Bulgaria. <laughs> it means to talk nonsense or lie. Oh, thank heavens! I thought it might be rude. Uh, anything else? <laughs> um. To slide in on a shrimp sandwich. Okay, that one is definitely rude. Uh, it, that, <laughs> that, that must be Swedish. It is. <gasps> it refers to someone who didn't have to, to work to get to where they are. So someone like uh, to slide, like Paris Hilton slid in on a shrimp sandwich. 
How delicious is that? It's amazing. And there's also this one, Bowls of a Swan. Oh, that sounds... Uh, mm. Estonia. No, it means something that's impossible. And it's from Croatia. Oh, that, that. Muda la Budova. Balls of go. a swan. Okay. Balls of a swan. There you go. Anyway, there's 40 of them. Enjoy yourself. They're wonderful. Are you suggesting people begin to incorporate these idioms into their own discussion? I mean, that'd be quite fun to do, wouldn't it? Did you fall from a Christmas tree, Graham? I'm just saying you're not well informed. Polish style. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of this going forward, isn't it? Well, I think that just about wraps it up for this week. Um, Jack, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online and find out more about your podcast. What is the best way for folks to do that? Uh, Twitter, I'm pretty responsive there, Jack Reciter, or just find me on darknetdiaries.com. Cool. And you can follow us on Twitter at smash insecurity, no G, Twitter won't last have a G. And we've also got an active community now on Reddit as well. Go and find our smash insecurity subreddit and join in the chat. With a G. Yes, with a G on Reddit, yes. A huge thank you to this week's Smashing Security sponsors, Immersive Labs and LastPass. And thanks to you, wonderful listeners. Thanks to our new Patreon supporters and our new reviewers. Check out smashingsecurity.com for past episodes, sponsorship details and info on how to get in touch with us. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. A bit sexy there, Jack. Mm. Well, Bye. So here's a little song, supporters on Patreon, made up of your names, because, you know, we're in the privacy game. Here goes. Shout out to 636B, Alex, Amanda, Andrew, Andy, Ben, Chris, CMDR, Divorced Pop, Dave, 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 and Dave. Thank you all. Emil, Eric, Fantastic Wolf, George, Habmala, Hades, Heisenberg, Jack, you guys all rock. Job, Matt, Mike, Nathan, Rangar, Richard, Robert, Sean, Susie, Tapacall, L, Tennis, J, Tom, Tom, Twilight, and Silar. You guys are making our show possible. Thank you for your support.